The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, offering insights, wisdom, and counsel from the most respected CEOs. Here is the host of the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Today, I've got an old friend of mine, John Mark Ramsey, who is the CEO of Centio. Did I say it right? You're saying it right. There you go. Investments. And uh, I just want to start off, John Mark. What are your thoughts on today's real estate market? Um, you know, it's a uh, it's a unique time. Right. It's a challenging time. As I think you know, we just uh, wrapped up our FSU real estate conference a couple couple weeks ago, and and I feel like the the theme continues to be uh, like a lack of clarity. Mm-hmm. I would say, I, my view is that we've got a big deleveraging event coming which is creating all kinds of pressure on value, on cash flows. So I'm hopeful and optimistic, but it is challenging right now. You know, what's funny, John Mark, is that um, I kind of feel it like it this way. I can remember back in the early 90s, people would say to me regarding politics, this is the most important election year ever. And then when you hear that every single time, you get a little bit like, <laughs> well, is it really, you know? And so being a retail guy, you know, we survived, the re- we survived the retail apocalypse and we survived COVID, right? So I'm kind of in a five-year run of people telling me that my whole industry is going to go down and you get kind of hardened to it. You're like, well, what the heck? And, and I think to further like your point, it's like when you say lack of clarity, it, it's that there's bad news and good news at the same time. That's yeah. what's con- confusing, correct? Yeah, I think that's right. And keep in mind, John, I'm I'm in a very specific part of real estate, senior housing, right? So I think there's a lot of stuff to be very excited about fundamentally with senior housing. But uh, I work with institutional capital. And as we kind of look at the landscape, think about what drives how we look at opportunities. I think the markets become more critical on how you build out your forward-looking cash flows because there's uncertainty in the market. The market's uh, asking hard questions about what's your capital stack look like and what's it cost to put a capital stack together these days. So I think, I, you know, I, I, like you're saying, in fact, I look back on my career, John, and and the two most meaningful windows of time for me came after major shocks to the real estate system, right? right? The Afghan war, the Iraq war in the early 2000s, the great financial crisis in in, in 07, 08. The buys that we were able to make following those events were the most meaningful for me personally. So again, I'm very excited. Uh, Well, I think there's a lot of opportunity, but it's back to where the skill set you're describing you're a retail expert, right? right? That's valuable again, right? Well, but I think it's hard is like, to your point, like if we all knew what was going to happen, we would all held our money back and then and then bought a bunch yep. in you know, yep. 2009. Yep. And what I'm trying to say is in retail, what's weird is it's like it never had that big drop off, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now it has dropped some now, but the question is, is like, you know, are you catching the falling knife or are you hitting right at the bottom, which yeah. is kind of hard. So in your area... Um, are you just able to see any kind of headwinds? Like, do you do you have a decrease in demand, increase an increase in demand, or can you walk us through that? Yeah, so I, I'd say that from a fundamental level, the increase in demand is is as clear as it's ever been. Right, we've got an aging population. 
we the that aging population has health healthcare needs. We need the product that 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 we offer in the senior housing space. In the last five to eight years, the real challenge we've had is just a, like a massive amount of new supply. Mm-hmm. It was a trendy sector. A lot of capital pointed at our space. Development seemed great. Too much supply all at one time. Again, stuff you're very familiar with. But right. that, ma- that made for a very challenging operating environment. And what we've been able to do, and, and I, some of this parallels to other real estate categories, John, but what we've been able to do is coming out of the pandemic, as o- owners and operators, our space chose we needed to be careful about how we pushed rates, how we pushed rents. But now that things have uh, normalized a little bit, I guess the phrase I'll use, we have been able to push rates. So the, the, the top line's gotten better, but we're a heavily staffed operating business is how senior housing yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. So our expense profile has been, you know, has, has felt the effects of the labor shortage, has felt the effects of inflation, the result is like we're still trying to find our way to how do you underwrite a forward-looking uh, forward-looking profile. So, the fundamentals, which is where you started, what you asked about, really couldn't be better, right? We've got a very significant shift in the aged population, lots of opportunity. It's specialized, which I like, mm-hmm. makes it unique. We solve for a little different solution than a typical real estate deal. But the fundamentals that you're talking about affecting other real estate categories absolutely comes into play for us. Well, yeah, it's, it's funny. My mom is uh, soon to be 85. She loves it when I talk about her age <laughs> on the air. Um, and she's got a, her walking buddy is about to turn 90, right? Mm-hmm. So they walk every day, a couple miles, whatever. So um, they both are in something where there was coming up renewal and you could pick like a one-year renewal or a three-year renewal. And she said her 89-year-old friend picked up the three-year renewal and my mom in her mind was like, well, that's optimistic, you know, <laughs> and they're joking about that. But again, it's this aging active population. And so I think from that standpoint, yeah, it's it's like betting on Florida. It's like, are people going to move here or not? Well, you know, our, our, our winters are so great, right? So you, yeah. you kind of get it. The capital stack part is interesting to me because, you know, my background was has been dominated by institutional capital. Like, you know, I was doing leasing and investment sales and then all the other stuff I've done. And in this round with Crossmark Services, originally I thought, well, gosh, I'll probably partner with some institutional capital. I still might. But so far, so good. It's been a ton of private equity. And that's just worked great. And Mm -hmm. that wasn't an option. When you and I were starting, that was not a play. But now it is. Is there a private equity play in your your area? Or is it still, do you think, more institutional? Yeah. So, well, just to clarify at least how I think about those terms. So, like, my primary capital partner over the last decade, not exclusively, but primarily – has been a large blue chip private equity, very large blue chip private equity firm um, with large, you know, opportunistic fund profiles, right? So for me, I've operated on two barbells of real estate, right? This large institutional capital, blue chip private equity firms. On the other end, individual investors through my time in the in the non-traded re- retail fundraising business. I've really not spent time in what I'll call the family office, office super high net worth category, mm-hmm. but private equity, my familiarity with that, and what I would say, John, is that that has changed real estate. Mm-hmm. There are large allocations of capital targeting all types of real estate right. now. It's not just you know the core f- food groups, 
senior housing came in, car washes are in, right? Like it's <laughs> like, you know, if it's real estate and there's cash flow potential, private equity is considering it. And, and, you know, for me, it's been helpful. Fundraising's not, uh, it takes a lot of time, it as does. you know, yeah. right? And fundraising is a critical part of what you do, what I do, but doing that day to day takes, takes time and energy. And, you know, I've found that I'm better, better value creating time, applying it towards the sector, applying it towards the relationships and the business uh, that I work listen, in. Listen, a hundred percent. You are talking to my soul, right? <laughs> like I, I mean, my whole world every day, the most important thing I do is figuring out the capital stack. Yeah. I don't want to say this real quick story and then I'll take a break. What's funny to me is, you know how sometimes like you're like, oh, I'd like to buy some stocks. And then like somebody's like, oh, my friend is a financial advisor. And then you meet with them and they're really an insurance guy and they're trying to sell you a whole life policy. You're like, I'm sure. trying to... I can't tell you how many times I've been like, hey, I'm looking for LP equity. And I, this has happened four times. Somebody said, oh, I got the great guy. This guy does that. And I meet with a guy and the guy spends an hour trying to put me into a bridge loan. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want debt. I want equity. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's part of that capital stack that's so frustrating. It's like you're focused on something, somebody selling something different. And trying to put all that together, tough, yeah. tough, tough. Yeah, it's a, yeah, no, it is, and and I, you know, I think those who figure that out, there's a lot of value opportunity there. Yeah, right? for, sure, for sure, for sure. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. I want to come back and talk to you a little bit about uh, you have advice you have for CEOs. Okay, sounds good. Thank all right, you, we'll be right back here at the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. Here's a call to those who want to make an impact on their company, their community, or who possess a desire to make the world a better place. Crossman Career Builders provides the tools and resources for you or your company to make a difference on some of the toughest issues that we all face. Crossman Career Builders partners with CEOs, politicians, and pastors seeking to address problems of racism, mental health, addiction, justice, and suicide. CrossmanCB.com. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Once again, here's John Crossman. We are back. This is John Crossman with my good friend, John Mark Ramsey. We went to FSU together. We graduated yeah. together. Yes. So when we go back 30 years, here's something for you. Remember when you and I were uh, in middle school, high school, and we saw Back to the Future? Yes. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. So if we made Back to the Future right now, the back would be 1993. Yes. Does that make you angry? Yeah. It makes me so <laughs> mad. Like, it feels like five minutes ago. I try not to think about no, it. No, let's not talk about that. So, John we could talk Florida State football. We could, we could, but it's not you know, what we're here for. Not what we're here for. A little better, a little better. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you're a CEO. You weren't always a CEO. You weren't born a CEO. You you've worked your way up, and you're a CEO now. We have a lot of uh, college students, young professionals that listen to this show, and so one of the things I always like to ask is, what are the most important traits of CEOs? So, if you're talking to a group of uh, young people and you're like, hey, if your life goal is to be a CEO, what what are the traits you think they need to have in their souls to make them successful at that? Yeah, John. I mean, what a great question. And I, I, I have 
like you tried to be intentional about thinking about those types of things and applying them. I feel like there are a lot of like words and a lot of concepts that come into play here. I've tried to boil it down to a few concepts just uh, to keep it simple, probably for myself, but mm-hmm. just in, in day-to-day processing, not sure how popular it is, but one that sits top of my list would be humility. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I think it's valuable when you're working with people, leading people, trying to navigate uh, tough situations that you're aware that you may not know everything about a given situation. So I like that concept. It's an important concept. I don't think it's um, necessarily how all leaders think about uh, running their organization. And I think some of those leaders have been successful. I, t- I tend to believe that there are different uh, different scenarios, different organizations, different situations that require different leadership application, but one that I feel like applies across a very broad spectrum. And the type of leader I I like to be with are are those who are uh, have enough self-confidence to recognize that they may not know everything and layer on some humility on you know, top of that. What's funny about that is I remember when uh, Tim Tebow was in his prime, remember like how white hot sure. he was. I remember seeing something on social media with these young guys and they're like, and they were, they were Gator fans. And they were like, I, I'm sick and tired of him talking about humility and him thanking God and praising others. Like he's just a man. He just needs to grab the mic and say, I am the man. Like yeah. they, they were advocating for his arrogance. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And it's like, guys, how do you think Tim Tebow became Tim Tebow? <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. his awareness of his frailty is what helped drive him to exceptionalism. Right yeah. Also, why didn't he like completely fall apart when his career didn't go well? Um, because again, he was aware of his, his frailty. Yeah. You know, uh, Danny Werfel, just another Gator. I I love this story. He he was on vacation while he was in college, and his mom yelled out to him and said, "Hey, Sports Illustrates on the f- uh, phone." And he was like coming up to the house thinking, oh, they're going to ask me about this and this and this. He picks up the phone. The gal's like, yeah, did you want to renew your subscription? <laughs> and so I love that story because it's like, it's an awareness. And you also use the word confidence. It's not, you're not confident. Right. But you're also having an awareness like, hey, somebody else may have the answer. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think that's well said, John, and great examples. Um, how, how about a, how about another, this is a newer thought for me, newer concept. I actually spent some time with Dr. Ron Piccolo from UCF in the last few years, just doing mm-hmm. some strategy work, planning work. And the word conscientious hmm. came out of that. And I've, I've become a big fan of uh, uh, team members who are conscientious, peers who are conscientious and at the risk of a uh, at the risk of uh, overdoing it here, I think of you as very conscientious. Oh, that's kind. Yeah. That's so, kind. so, so from my perspective, I like people who can't, who can't uh, go to bed at night for lack of a better way to say it. If there's something that needs to be done, not that there's not time to like sort stuff out, but conscientious people want to deliver. They want to do what is right. And I've spent more time, time around that, have hired some folks with that in mind and love that outcome, love that setup of people who are just driven to do the right thing and driven um, to, to get, get, the, get the project done, right? Get the work done. 
Um, and I, and I think that's a trait that, that hasn't been as, you know, featured in kind of the last, uh, last wave of open economy, if you will. And I think, uh, I think we're in an environment where conscientious folks, uh, can make a difference. Leaders who have that trait can make a difference and team members with that trait are valuable. I, uh, I love that word. Um, I've never used that word in this context. Like I think about awareness was, is a word. Yeah. And then I think like the, like, like empathy and vulnerability. Yep. Right. Um, and I think the opposite is narcissism. Like mm-hmm. there's some, you know, there's some leaders that have zero empathy. Like they don't care, you know, like, Oh, if, Hey, well, if we make this decision, these people, and it doesn't work out, these people are laid off. Well, they don't care. Right. Like there's no empathy there. And so, um, that conscientious, that's, that's a great, great word. Um, and also that's like they're engaged and they care. Yes. Right. You know, if somebody literally at 501 is in their car and have no thought to there the company is. whatsoever. Yep. And again, it's not to say that they can't have a job, um, but that's not a professional. They don't have a career. Right. Well, and, and John, it's hard right now, right? Cause their peer group, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not right. gonna label right. the whole, the whole, yeah, the whole the generation, whole generation <laughs> yeah. but like some of their peers look at it that way. Yeah. Right. So this idea that, Hey, I've got something that a broader group of people needs me to perform on. That's important to me, which is exactly what you're saying. And I don't, I don't feel like that that's necessarily woven into our culture right now. And, and for me, it like stands out. Right. Well, I think what it is, it's like, I think employees desire to have their bosses consciences of them. Yes. If it's a fair relationship, it's the same thing back. Yeah. Right. So like if you had an employee, uh, that lost a loved one or was getting married that weekend, like, you know, of course, employees when they're like the, Oh, the the boss is aware. I had an employee who I I could you not told me they're getting married and they're like, yeah. And it's was months away, but they're like, I'm getting married on the Saturday. Um, so I'll, I'll be in the office that Friday, blah, 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 blah. And I said, Hey, why don't you take the week before off? Like take the week before yeah, and after sure. off. They were kind of surprised, but I'm like, what are you doing? Do not yeah. come to like, yeah. and so I'm being conscientious about them. That's right. Right. I, I, but I want the same thing back, right. Yeah. That they're having some level of thought to, you know, what is it I'm doing? What's going on with me? Yep. And so you're not asking something that you're not, you're not also giving, but yeah, some people, I think what it is sometimes is like when you're a child and you have a parent, your parents are kind of magical, you know, like, you, you have daughters and I'm sure you've had times where your daughter's are like, what would you like for Christmas? And you're like, nothing. You know, Mike has daughters. We talk about how when you have daughters, you want to give anything back. But sometimes as men and dads, that can be a, a curse if we're not allowing them to give to us because that's a way to kind of them stepping into their own humanity yeah. and maturity. That's what we're talking about. Uh, we need to wrap up, John Mark. Any other final thoughts on... CEO, what advice? Yeah, no. Well, actually, uh, I was, I was, I, I do have three daughters, one son. He's eleven. He's a, he's a, an avid reader, mm-hmm. and uh, some, a gift I didn't have. But quick story: I was with him last night, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm going to be with Mr. Crossman tomorrow. We'll be talking about a few things." And I asked him. I said, "What, what do you think makes a makes a great leader, a great CEO?" <laughs> and uh, he thought about it for a moment, and he said, "Kindness." Mm-hmm. And his his reference was uh, Dumbledore from Harry Potter, who was the head of the head of the Familiar. school, as you, as, yeah. as you may know. And as I listened to him explain what he meant, it was it was it wasn't hey you're just like being nice, right? It was being attentive to other people, being humble, 
uh, and being conscientious, right? Like, so thinking about that through a kid's eyes, right? Like, it's not that I don't want you to set boundaries for me or, um, or help me through hard situations or, or even tell me when I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing, mm-hmm. but it's like some consistency and some, some discipline around how you approach those types of situations. So I thought that was an interesting. Well, you uh, tell him I said thank you. Right, I'll do that. That, that, that is wisdom, <laughs> absolute wisdom. John Mark Ramsey, thanks for being a guest with us here. Thank We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our final segment. Crossmark Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. As the largest property tax practice in North America, Ryan's professionals possess the local footprint and knowledge backed by a team with national expertise to help organizations minimize their property tax liabilities and ensure valuations are fair and accurate. With the Florida tax appeal deadlines approaching rapidly, local experts at Ryan work proactively with many jurisdictions across Florida well in advance of the August trim notice mailing to ensure our clients receive maximum tax savings. Guys, I use Ryan, and I hope you will too. Once again, here's John Crossman. And we are back, and Mike Gillen, man. How are wow. you? Wow, that was, that was fun, man. You know, first off, he's clearly bright. You know I mean? There's, yeah. there's, no, there's no question about that. And when he was talking about capital markets, the capital stack, I mean, he's, he's as cutting edge and on top of this anybody I know. That said, how about that conversation with his son? That really was one of the points that I perked up on. I thought, you know, how wise it is, number one, that a dad draws his kids out. I mm-hmm. think that is so incredibly important. Uh, then number two, to respect what they say. Now, that's not always a given, but that's what he did. He really paid attention. Yeah. There's great equity when you have that kind of relationship with your children. Listen, you know, here's a guy who's a super successful CEO and speaking at conferences and traveling the country. And then he knows he's going to be on our podcast. And so in his preparation, he asks his 11 year old son and then his son gives great wisdom. And we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. And then to like, you know, and, and, and by the way, when you notice the interview, when I was asking the question, you know, I was trying to wrap up and he was like, no. And he wanted to make this other That's point. Right. You, could, you could tell that was in his frontal lobe. He's like, I need to tell this because this is important. Well, it turns out to be, it was a key point. Well, you know, again, so kindness, you know, kindness is, uh, you know, God tells us to be kind to people. And sometimes people might think that word is um, weak, you know, like kindness is weak. It's not. Kindness is courageous. Kindness is strength. Um, and I think that when he combined that with conscientious, like that was an interesting word too. Yeah. I, I never have used that word. Um, and when I'm talking about traits of leadership, that was a new one for me. And so for him to talk about those two things, it's, it's being aware of what's happening and then acting into it. I, I just yeah. thought all of that was brilliant. It really was. And you know, in, the, in a day like we're living in today, true leadership is going to bubble up. It's going to become more evident. And I think we're going to see the difference in 
faux leadership, what is not built on what is the sound teaching of God, we're going to see a difference in our leaders, in in leadership. And it was really great to listen to a true leader. Yeah, and it and it's interesting because uh, the example in my mind was uh, Florida State football because he refs all yeah. But you know, not that long ago, you know, they had this long winning streak of like most games with more than thirty points or something like that, and they were approaching maybe the school record. And so Florida State was in this game, and they were up. They had scored twenty four points, so they scored one more touchdown to keep it going. They were like on the ten yard line. There was like very little time left in the game, and the coach just had them take a knee. Right. He didn't try to like pile on and add this other mm-hmm. touchdown. And so to me, like that's an example of kindness. Right. Like, you know, it's not he won yeah. the game. Right. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, come on, man. And, and I think sometimes in, in coaching, particularly in politicians, we can see where people are being disagreeing and they're being just mean. Right. Just just mean. Mean spirited. Mean spirited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, insulting people's children and you know, or just, you know, personal stuff that's like, come on, there's just no need for that. You're just doing that to goat people on. So um, let's take the wisdom of John Mark Ramsey's son. Let's listen to that guy yeah, right. and take his counsel and in our workplaces as CEOs and leaders, let's, let's be more kind. That's well said, my friend. Uh, as always, thanks for being my partner and friend, Mike. Appreciate yeah. it. This has been the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Until next time. This has been the Crossman Conversation CEO Edition with your host, John Crossman. Tune in next week for another talk with an experienced CEO that will help bring clarity to your business endeavors. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.